Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life or what you shall eat and what you shall drink. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. So we're very fond in the church, you know, of throwing certain pat words around. We might say things like, God bless you, or a variety of things that just simply flow from our mouths, but oftentimes we don't give thought to actually what the meaning is. And one of those great phrases is the phrase, God's blessings be to you. And yet, have we ever really given a lot of thought to what we mean when we say, blessings to you? Now, if someone sneezes, we are seeking to put a blessing on someone. If we're trying to give a sense of happiness, or we're trying to give a sense of affirmation to someone, we might say God's blessings to you. And yet, oftentimes, it is one of those phrases that just kind of rolls off the tongue. And we don't necessarily think about what it means to call down God's blessings upon someone. Well, at its most simple level, when we're trying to bless someone, when we're trying to call down God's blessings, we are asking for God's affirmation, for his, his positivity to come down upon us. And yet we oftentimes, again, still don't actually understand what it is we're calling down. As St. Paul said in his letter to the Galatians today, that oftentimes we want to make a good showing in the flesh. And that's a little bit of an abstruse phrase, except if we think a little bit about it, it's not too hard to understand that when we want to have something good happen to someone else, are we doing it because we want it to be of God to that person, or are we doing it because we want it to be of ourselves to that person? Blessings upon you, my friend. We, I hope that you have a wonderful day. Are we really saying we want God to give that person the good day, or are we saying that we want to give them that good day? And likewise, when we are trying to interact with people, are we doing it ultimately to show that God is trying to do something of value, trying to do something that is good, or are we trying to do it to show ourselves as being the benefactor of that individual? It's not a small consideration. And the reason it's not small is that when we consider what actually makes up the building blocks of our lives, our day-to-day lives, when we try to consider those things that actually give us a sense of happiness, a sense of worth, a sense of value in our lives, we very quickly come to an understanding that the things that are of us are of limited value, and the things that are of God are of great value. For instance, the reading that we had in the book of Joshua today is a wonderful reading, that choose this day reading of whom do you choose? Do you choose to serve God or do you choose to serve a false God? The false God in this time might have been some false God of the peoples of the lands that the Israelites captured and defeated. And yet at the same time, we too understand what it means to be pursuing false gods false gods of money, false gods of power and status. And it's very helpful to understand that 
This speech out of Joshua comes at the very, very end of that book, at a point when Joshua, now old and about to die, has gathered all the peoples of Israel around him, and in the, cha- in the, the sentences immediately prior to this, sent, this reading, reminds the people of Israel of all the good things, all the blessings that God has rained down upon them all of the peoples that they defeated, many times defeated when there was absolutely no earthly reason why they should have, in which one warrior on on the Israelite side was up against 50 or 60 or 100 warriors on the other side, and yet they were still defeated. Joshua goes through all of these miraculous defeats, all of these miraculous things, and yet the very thing that Joshua ends with which is immediately before this reading that we have today starts, says, And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built, and you dwell therein. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive yards, which you did not plant. It's a very significant line. Because what God is telling us at that moment is that the blessings that the people of Israel experienced at that time were blessings that they themselves did not earn. Perhaps even more to the point, that they were blessings that were not of human making, but they were God's and that God chose to give them the fruit of the labors of these other peoples to the peoples of Israel. Now, that, I would suggest, is a blessing. Specifically, not because they were given houses or food to eat, although those things were absolutely critical, but because they were not of their own possession. They were not of their own making. Now, let us go forward in time to the period where Jesus is now sitting and talking to the peoples from our gospel reading today. It's perhaps helpful to understand that when we are looking at this particular passage at this particular time in our lectionary, we are also doing it at almost exactly the same time that our older brothers, the Jews, have, are either in or, as is the case this year, have just concluded Rosh Hashanah. And Rosh Hashanah is the period of time, the high holy days, the beginning of the new Jewish year, where the peoples of Israel open the books, God opens the books of the future and of destiny, and he writes in the books whether someone is blessed and shall enter the kingdom of God, whether someone in the third book, that's in the first book, in the third book, whether someone is going to go into Gehenna because they are damned, and then the amazing second book, which is the people that he's on the fence about. And he gives them 10 days to get their act together, 10 days to decide if they repent, 10 days which, if those people do manage to get their stuff together, on the, on the final day, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, the day in which God will then transcribe their name in the Book of Life and that they too will be blessed. That is by way of background for what is now happening 
when these people have gathered around Jesus on this hillside, as Jesus has gone up into the mountain, Jesus has already preached the, the, the wonderful phrases of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who are persecuted. We have to remember that those people that he was speaking to were the people that he he was aiming those phrases at. Blessed are the poor, because you, the people gathered in front of me, are poor. Blessed are the persecuted, because you, the people in front of me, are persecuted, and so on and so forth. This is significant because for those individuals, that they even though that they were the people of Israel, they themselves did not feel blessed. They were not the powerful ones. They were not the ones with money or power or influence. They were not the ones that could go to a Roman legion member and have a problem fixed. In all likelihood, if they ran afoul of the Romans, they might very well end up dead. And so this was the kind of life that these people of Israel faced, and yet Jesus was telling them, Don't worry. You don't need to worry. Don't be anxious about your life, what you shall eat and what you shall drink. And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Jesus understood that anxiety was something that was very, very much a part of their lives. And that ultimately the anxiety came out of this sense of this existential threat that people felt, which I suspect we too can understand. The sense of, am I blessed? Am I blessed by God? Because the fruits of everything around me in my life right now do not appear to show that I have God's blessing. That I have difficulty in my life that I don't have enough money to pay my bills, that I have this person and that person angry with me. I struggle with this addiction and that bad habit, and I go from moment to moment, day to day, week to week, year to year, feeling that I am not blessed, that God is not with me. Sound like anyone you know. And yet Jesus lets us know that God's blessing is not dependent upon the whims of the people that surround us in this life and indeed are not dependent upon our own whims. He reminds them that the things that are truly of value, clothing, food, companionship, these are the things that are truly blessings and like the people that Joshua was talking to, that they are blessings that God bestows upon them and us because ultimately they're not ours to bestow in the first place. They're God's. That sense of being able to go to your neighbor and say, hey, I'm concerned about you. How are you doing? Haven't seen you at church recently. That belongs to God whether you go to someone who, is work, someone who comes through a soup kitchen, or whether you're with someone at work and they are struggling or you worry about them, or even you see that there's an unfamiliar furrow on their brow and you say to them, hey, what's going on? 
whether you're dropping pieces of paper repeatedly from the lectern. That's not yours to give. That's God's. And in fact, the things that are truly of value in this life, every single last one of them are God's. Every last one of them. We do not own them. We do not possess them. We have them by merit of the fact that God has bestowed them upon us. We borrow them. And that ultimately we borrow them not for ourselves, but for his glory. And we show that glory in the way in which we deal with one another. This is the first and the great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Do we live that? Do we live that? Do we walk that? Because in the end, ultimately, whether we live it and whether we walk it has everything to do with whether we are blessed in this life. It's not about the things that we accumulate. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon, in this particular case, oftentimes is translated as money, but actually mammon is also understood as material wealth, fortune. And who here would rather have fortune and belongings and lack a relationship with their neighbor or a family member or, most important, with God himself? We are blessed, every last one of us. Yes, we also have problems. Yes, we have addictions. Yes, we have difficulties in our relationships with people. Yes, we may have a problem with work. We may not have work. We may not get along with this person or that. And yet Jesus tells us, Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. One of, I think, the great pieces of wisdom that come out of the Bible. We don't have to worry about anxiety. We don't have to worry at all. Because in the end, if we do as Jesus tells us, if we seek his kingdom first and his righteousness first, everything else will fall into place. And for that matter, not only peace and security and comfort, but the material things that we need. Not necessarily the ones that we want, but the things that we need. We could do that. Tape would also work, Stephen. When we consider the good fortune that we have, when we consider the blessings that God has given to us on a daily, weekly, yearly basis, the things that are truly of value, the things that truly matter, relationships with children, relationships with parents, an opportunity to come to a beautiful home to worship God in a space that is even somewhat rudely fitting for him, we recognize that we have the things that truly matter in this life. And that it is our job merely to give back 
the things that are actually of God's in the first place? Are we willing? Are we willing to let go of the anxieties that we feel from a day-to-day-to-day basis? Am I going to have enough money to pay the car payment? Am I going to be able to go to this place and have enough gasoline to do it? Am I going to be able to make this person happy or that person happy? Am I going to give the correct response or the correct leading to a child? All of the things that we think and stress about on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis... If you seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, it'll be all right. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. Whether it is that we struggle to know whether we can support ourselves, support one another, support our church, we don't have to worry. You simply need to step out in faith. Step out in belief, and everything will fall into place behind it. We needn't worry. We needn't be anxious. Our lives, the blessings that they are, the gifts of God that they are, will be there for us in all the ways that we need. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.